Can anything good come out of our suffering? Does God have a purpose in allowing suffering into our lives? That's what we'll be discussing today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Today, I'm your host, Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with my co-host, Tyler Hurley. Yes. Yes, we're excited about today's show because we have a very special guest on with us. Um, Today, we have uh, Dr. Clay Jones on with us. Uh, He's Associate Professor of Christian Apologetics at Talbot Seminary. He's also the Chairman of the Board for Ratio Christi. Um, You might have read his book on Why God Allows Evil. Uh, If you have uh, you definitely need to get it, and we're going to be putting out some links uh, to go and buy that. Yes. But his book is called Why, Why Does God Allow Evil? Compelling Answers to Life's Toughest Questions. And in addition to that book, he has a forthcoming book uh, that's going to be called Immortal, The Inescapable Desire for Eternal Life and How It Drives Us. And those are both with Harvest House, and you can be looking for his new book coming out somewhere between November and April. Um, but uh, Dr. Jones, really grateful to have you on the show today. Well, it's my pleasure, Robbie and Tyler. Glad to be with you. Uh, in addition to all that you've done, I just want to personally thank you. Over this past year, um, Dr. Jones has been really gracious in mentoring me and a group of other guys who graduated from the apologetics program at Biola. And uh, it's just been fun getting together with you and uh, Skyping and, and having prayer requests, Clay. So I just really appreciate you and, and all your ministry. Well, thank you, Robbie. I'm, I'm pleased. You know, uh, uh, that whole idea was yours, of course, because you're the one that asked me initially, would you would you mentor me? And I thought, well, okay, and so I got some other guys in it, and, and it's turned out to be a big blessing for me, personally, and I've enjoyed the process very much. Well, I definitely have been blessed through it, too, so thank you so much for that. Um, now, you, Clay, you were also a pastor at a couple of large churches in the past. Yes. Yes, and so yes, I uh, was. Yeah, we'll deal with that, and again with today's topic on um, you know suffering and, and why God allows it into our lives. Um, so you sometimes we have people on you know and and they're professors, um, but it's important I think to mention that you are definitely a professor and you're writing on these issues and teaching, um, but you also have pastoral experience with people that are going through a hard time. Oh yes, uh, as I you know say in. You know, as I mentioned, Robbie, starting tomorrow, I'm going to start doing a series on my blog on how God uses suffering. And I'm going to mention, as a matter of fact, in the first blog, that, you know, I've seen hundreds of people. I've seen lots and lots of people cry, mm. probably hundreds. And uh, and being able to minister to people in their, you know, in their real-life hardships, where it's not just simply an armchair analysis of the things is, is really a benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, and that's why I appreciate you, because you have real-life experience with this, but you're also very, very uh, intelligent on the problem of evil, why God allows evil, and um, even what God's doing through evil in our lives and what He's what His purposes are behind that. I think a lot of times we just want to avoid evil, uh, but you've taught me so much uh, about how suffering can influence our future and our eternal perspective and um, how it can inform our lives as we're going through a hard time here and now. And so I guess that leads us to our first question. Um, Clay, why does God allow evil into our lives? What's his purpose behind it? What are things that he can uh, do that benefit us uh, here but also into eternity? 
Well, why does God allow evil in our lives uh, mm-hmm. is a little different than why he allows evil in general. Mm-hmm. But uh, in general, he's allowing evil because he created beings that have free will. He wanted to create creatures that have free will, and you can't create a gr- creature and give, it, give that creature free will uh, without allowing them to use it wrongly. And of course, that's my whole book is about that. But when it comes to how he, how, why he allows evil in our lives and suffering, is he's accomplishing a whole bunch of different things. Uh, one of them is, well, I'll just give you three right off the top of my head. Uh, he is uh, purifying us through, through suffering. Suffering purifies us. Mm. And suffering also, <clears throat> God brings suffering into our lives to protect us from further harm. Uh, he did that with Paul, for instance, when he gave Paul a thorn in the flesh. <clears throat> uh, gave Paul a thorn in the flesh to keep them from becoming conceited. Mm. Uh, Paul says that, of course, straight out. Uh, and uh, so he pr- uses suffering sometimes pr- to protect us from further sin and, and from harm that we might come into. And then he also uses suffering to prove us, to prove that we really are his servants and prove us to men and angels, to mm. humans and angels. That we really are his servants, and and uh, that's that's eternally valuable knowledge that he's trying to show all of creation that we are worthy of inheriting the kingdom of God. Interesting. So he's proving to. I I, I remember from class where you mentioned this, and in your book talking about how he's proving to angels specifically uh, who we are and that that we're worthy. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, I, I mean, the question is, well. It, it, well, the scripture says, you know, that that he is actually doing that in First Peter, but that he's going to demonstrate to the world that we are worthy. But the key of the matter is, you know, God knows our hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not our hearts, of course, are not a mystery to God. But how do other people know whether we really are worthy inheritors of His kingdom? How do how do others know that information? Uh, and I'll tell you, one of the things is that happens through suffering, uh, because as you continue to honor God through suffering, it demonstrates to the world that you are worthy of, of being a, an inheritor. Uh, for instance, in Thessalonians 1, it says, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the uh, persecutions and trials you're enduring. He says, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, which you are suffering. <clears throat> How does God, you know, I mean, the Lord, of course, could just say, hey, look, I know their hearts, uh, and, and they're, they're good folks, and I'm letting them in. But if he wants to convince other beings that you really are, uh, that we really are creatures that can, that can endure suffering and really honor him, that we really are people of faith, one of the things he's doing is allowing suffering uh, to prove to the world that we really are uh, his servants, and really are uh, men and women of faith who aren't going to just fold up shop and run away uh, at the first sign of real difficulty. Hmm, that's fascinating. And that would be yeah. kind of like why, what the book of Job is showing, right? Well, it does show that, absolutely. You know, that the Job continued to honor God through suffering. In fact, uh, as, as uh, you know, I point out in my book, you know, the only thing that Job had to do to humiliate Satan in the heavenly realms, because remember at the beginning you have Satan saying to the Lord, you built a hedge around Job and you've given him everything he wants, so of course he serves you. And the Lord says, well, 
I'm paraphrasing drastically here and shortening it up, <laughs> have Adam, go ahead and have Adam. And the only thing that Job needed to do to humiliate Satan in the heavenly realms was to continue to honor God. Mm-hmm. That if he yeah. honored God, didn't was unvarying in honoring God, it humiliated Satan and proved him wrong. And likewise, in the midst of suffering, if we continue to honor God, we prove that that uh, we prove Satan's wrong. In other words, that there are people that will honor God, that we are servants who will honor him, even when it looks like it will result in our suffering, and maybe even sometimes in our death, because, of course, throughout the world right now, we have uh, all, you know people that are being killed for their yeah. belief in Jesus, and that proves to the world that they're really, and, and to angels and to everybody else that's watching, proves to them that these really are worthy of the kingdom of God. Mm. Yeah, that is just so interesting. It's a different perspective on evil because our um, kind of our knee-jerk reaction is when we experience suffering is to alleviate the suffering and get away from it, right? Um, but God yeah, can be doing and, and something. That's right. And if but we we need to realize, well, you need to understand that God is using suffering for your good. Uh, and right, you just asked about proving it. For instance, in First Peter chapter one, it says that though now for you, you may be grieved by various trials, he says this has happened so that the genuineness of your faith will be tested, hmm. uh, and you'll be found, and it'll be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That the trials test the genuineness of our faith, and they prove that we really are valuable uh, and honorable servants of the Lord, even in hardship. And this is valuable knowledge for the kingdom, because, of course, and you know what I think about this, Robbie, is that God's giving us the kingdom, that we are actually going to inherit the kingdom forever and ever, and he's honestly looking for beings that are that he can say, look, they're worthy to inherit the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Well, and he has to do that, right, to appease his justice. He can't just um, frivolously give things away. Like, we, we do need to be worthy to inherit it. Well, yes, I think, yeah, yes, absolutely. I think we do need to be worthy to inherit it. And I think sometimes Christians get confused and they go, well, I thought this was all just about the grace of Jesus and we're just mm. forgiven and, and stuff like that. But they're forgetting something, and that is, well, as the, in the, during the Reformation they had a saying, and that was, faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. Mm-hmm. The people who really are saved are going to live different lives, and people who really do believe are going to be able to stand up to suffering and say, you know, I don't know what's going to happen here, but, but as the, you know, even though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, who said, we're not going to fall down and worship you to Nebuchadnezzar. They said this in Daniel. We're not going to fall down and worship you. He says, and the Lord will deliver us. But then here's the key words. He says, but if not, we're not going to worship you. <laughs> yes. In other words, I don't. Whatever happens, just let's be clear here. Uh, I'm. We're going to honor God, and if that means we get thrown into the fiery furnace, that's fine because we're going to continue to honor God. Yep. Yeah, that's right. such a great passage because yeah, he could deliver us if he wants, but even if he doesn't, we don't care. We're still not bowing down to you yeah, okay. because we know God's true, even if he doesn't deliver us. It's such a powerful passage of scripture. Yes, uh, yes and we need to start. We need to take that to heart and decide, are we going to be that kind of a person? Mm. Uh, honestly, in my opinion, some people say, you know, being willing to die for Jesus is the pinnacle of discipleship. I disagree with that completely. I think being willing to die for Jesus is the beginning of discipleship. 
Mm-hmm. Jesus, well, let me quote a source that I think is pretty reliable, Jesus, who <laughs> said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and yeah. follow me. Mm-hmm. In other words, <clears throat> and for and for um and for Jesus and well anybody that heard that in in uh when Jesus spoke it no one was thinking of jewelry. Yeah. No one was thinking of, <laughs> you know, little stuff that you could hang around your neck. Yeah. No one was thinking that. They were thinking of being stripped naked and having spikes driven through your feet and wrists okay. and and slowly dying. That's all they were thinking. And Jesus said if anyone if you're going to come after me you must be willing to deny yourself and pick up your cross daily, which is about suffering, right? In a sense, yeah, I mean, because yeah. you're denying yourself, hmm. and uh, you're denying yourself pleasures, and sometimes, well, in, in, especially in the Middle East, there's people who are denying themselves of actually living any longer, because when they refuse to disown Jesus, they're killed. Yeah. And so they are actually giving up their lives, and, and some some Christians in, in the last couple of years have even been crucified Mm. yeah and that that is something i i I think it's just so foreign to um how how i've grown up in the church and you know people people don't think like that they think that uh, if i go through suffering i pray and hopefully god will alleviate it right now um but not there's not this mentality of god's gonna do something through the suffering and so even in our prayer life like how how does your theology of suffering inform how Mm. you pray Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, one of the things is people will often come and say, you know, well, for instance, they'll say, I've got a, you know, I can't get, I'm not getting along with my boss. Would you pray that God gives me a new job? Mm. And I'll sit there and think, maybe he wants you to learn to be more respectful to your boss. <laughs> maybe he's trying to teach you things through this boss that you can't stand, and, and so on. In other mm-hmm. words, uh, I don't immediately, when somebody is suffering, I don't immediately go to, most of the time I do, but not always, go to, oh, let's pray that God gets them out of it. Yeah. Because I, I look at it, a lot of suffering, and go, what do you mean? God spent a lot of work getting you into that suffering, and now you just want to get back out of it immediately? <laughs> He's worked hard to get you in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because no, true. As I'm going to say tomorrow in the blog, you know, honestly, and I think this is, for some people, this is going to be shocking, but most of the really valuable things that have happened in my life have come through suffering. Mm. Uh, most of them have. That the real maturity, the real, you know, I mean, groundedness, uh, you know, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? He says because suffering produces uh, perseverance, and perse- perseverance produces character, and, uh, and character produces hope. Now, perseverance is necessary for every character quality. Hmm. You need to be able to have a certain patience, a certain ability to hang in there for every hmm. simple, every character quality. In love, if you're going to be loving, you need to be able to be patient with people. Gentleness requires that you're patient and gentle with people who might be mean to you. That See, perseverance is required for all of the character qualities, and like it or not, perseverance comes through suffering. Hmm. Yeah, that's so. That's powerful. why I say, you know, God's plan A for your life is to bring you through regular periods of suffering, and there is no plan B. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, it's, people don't want to hear it, but that's the truth, and it, and it makes sense, and it is what Scripture tells us that through suffering we can rejoice in it. Right? Uh, James talks right. about that. Paul talks right. about that. Yeah. That we can rejoice through all types of suffering because God is doing a work through it. Um, and well, yet, you know. Yeah. 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, Romans 5 again, he says that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Mm-hmm. How does character produce hope? Well, I'll tell you what it's done for me. Nothing, and I do mean nothing. I've been a Christian. Wow, in October, I became a Christian at 12, uh, and in October I'll have been a Christian for 50 years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> nothing has revealed to me the truth of Christianity more, I mean, other than the factual, intellectual things like the resurrection being an actual fact of history, but experientially, nothing has has evidenced to me, has proved to me that Christianity is true more than the fact that when I have gone into suffering and then come out of suffering, come out of that suffering, that I'm more like Jesus. Hmm. That And and when that happens is, because it is, I'm I every time I go into suffering and then come out of it, I end up finding myself more like Jesus, and what that does is it gives me hope that this whole Christian thing is true, that it's all true. <laughs> because your character has been that, developed. Right. <laughs> right. As my character okay. as my character's being developed, I go, wow, so suffering really does produce character in me. Hmm. And I've, as you know, I've gone through quite a bit of different kinds of suffering, including having bone cancer. And honestly, and, and I realize some of your listeners are going to think that this is just crazy talk. I get it. But uh, honestly, one of the best things that ever happened to me was going through bone cancer. A lot of the most important character qualities in my present life, frankly, were the result of, you know, of, of the suffering that I had to endure because I began, because I learned godly character through suffering. As I just had to sit there and endure it and put up with it. And I learned character. Hmm. And by the way, you know the trouble the trouble with this Robbie and Tyler is that so most Christians have such a limited view of heaven mm-hmm. and because they have such a limited view of heaven they sit there and think that the Christian life is mostly about here and that's why they go well the last thing i want to do is suffer here because that should be mm-hmm. should be wonderful and easy and god loves you law one of the four spiritual laws god loves you and has a wonderful <laughs> plan for your life well, yes, he does, but that's misleading. He doesn't necessarily have a wonderful plan for your life here. Uh, and I, Mostly he does, but not always. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I'll just give you one example. Become, if, somebody be, if, if somebody becomes a Christian in Egypt that was formerly Muslim, and his daughter is abducted and raped and forced to sign a confession to, uh, uh, confession to Islam, and now his whole family wants to kill him, that's not an improved lifestyle here. Yeah. Uh, now, most of the time, you absolutely, you come to Jesus, he'll improve your lifestyle here, but we just need to be clear, not always. Yeah. That's just simply not true. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's good, actually, because that, that kind of brings us up a little bit to our uh, next point that we wanted to discuss with you. So you, you mentioned in your book about uh, the idea of the perception of eternity being boring, for other people and like the, the false uh, perceptions of what heaven is going to be like. And you kind of address that in your book a little. So we were, we were going to ask you to kind of elaborate on that. What would you say to someone who thinks that eternity uh, is going to be boring? Well, I, I would say, first of all, I'd say I don't blame them uh, for <laughs> thinking that because the, the devil has been, uh, the devil's trying to pull, pervert and pollute everything. There's nothing mm-hmm, that the right. devil's not trying to pervert and pollute and destroy and nothing. 
he's trying to he's trying to pervert everything. And what he's done is, and he and a lot of and this has happened without many Christians notice, is he's perverted what heaven is like. And so, you know, in my book, uh, Why Does God Allow Evil?, I give six myths or lies about heaven. For instance, that heaven is mostly white. Uh, heaven isn't mostly white. Uh, if you read Revelation, you'd have to conclude that heaven is, is jewel-toned, uh, that we're just going to sing. That's not true, and mm-hmm. that's just simply we're not going to mostly sing. Oh, I'm sure sometimes we'll be singing, no, no doubt about it, yeah. but that's not our major occupation is singing. Uh, that we're not going to know each other. A lot of Christians are afraid we're not going to know each other. That's, of course we're going to know each other. In fact, the Scripture even says, your deeds will follow you into heaven. Mm-hmm. That we're going to remember the, good, the, thing, the wonderful things that you did here on earth for the kingdom are going to follow you into mm-hmm. heaven. And, uh, you know, we're, but, but see, what the devil's done is he's made heaven look like a place where we're all going to be sitting on clouds and strumming harps and sing, singing choir music, Forever. Right. Well, that sounds terrible to me. I don't. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, so it's no. not like in the so, cartoons. <laughs> so this is a big issue, right? And so that's why I debunk what I call six myths about heaven because it's we've got to get clarity on this. Mm. And really, our occupation in heaven is not singing; it's reigning with Jesus forever and ever. Yeah, that's our occupation. Is ruling. We're going to be in a position to rule or reign, they mean the same thing, over God's kingdom forever. Thus, the last verse of the last book of the Bible, Revelation 22.5, before the epilogue says, and they will reign forever and ever. We're going to reign over God's kingdom forever. Mm-hmm. That's our occupation. It isn't singing. And that sounds desirable, right? That that sounds yeah. worth suffering for if it's developing us for the then and there. But you're right. So many people are focused on God making their life better here and now, um, which it's, it's, it's interesting because if that was the case, you'd have to conclude that God's a miserable failure because he lets all of us die. You know, hell, yes, that's, that's exactly, yeah, every, the only, you know, you know my line, only one thing's going to prevent you from watching every, everyone you know die from murder, accident, or disease, and that will be your own death from murder, accident, or disease. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah, that's right. So, you it's know, a- have a nice day with that one. I mean, life's rough. <laughs> it is. And it's so, a yeah, you'd have to basically go, man, the Lord isn't doing a good job of giving us a wonderful life if we're going to watch everyone we know die from murder, accident, or disease. <clears throat> but the point of the Christian life is that it's not about it's that this life, if anything, is boot camp for yes. eternity. <laughs> yep, that's what we're in here. We're in boot camp for eternity, and I'm just amazed that so many Christians are able to have as much as many pleasures here as we do. I mean, I I have enjoyed many pleasures here. I have a nice home and. We eat nice food and stuff, but that being said, I've also had a lot of suffering in my life, like having bone cancer and and a whole bunch of other things. So, yeah, I mean, but but yeah, if it was just about this life, you'd go, well, this life, boy, if Christianity's just about this life, man, we lose. Yeah, yeah, big time. Well, and that's that's the next question we wanted to discuss was how does okay so so God is allowing us to suffer in this life. He told us that's going to happen. To follow Him, we got to take up our cross um, because there is a better day coming. But what is the suffering doing to us? Um, it, you said it's developing our character, right? Perseverance develops all types right. of character traits. But what's the benefit of having those character traits for heaven? What? what why does that matter? Well, I think that's that's uh, maybe the 
well, I used to say $64,000 question, and maybe the $64 billion question. And for me, what's going on is we are being, uh, well, he's building character into us, which is useful for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And he's also building the knowledge of the stupidity of sinfulness into us, where we are coming to the conclusion here that sin is stupid. Uh, and that's valuable knowledge so that God, the Lord can give us free will in heaven. He can give us free will in heaven, and yet we won't sin. And I, I know that'll freak out some listeners, but, and I don't have time to unpack it. We won't sin because we're learning here simply that sin is a very stupid thing to do. Mm. And I use the analogy of, you know, I ask people, do you want to see me stick a pen in my eye? And people are like, what, is he nuts? And I said, but you know, I'm not going to stick a pen in my eye, and the reason I'm not going to do it is I'm too smart for that. But you but could we don't do give it. pens to yeah. babies because they jab it right in their eye. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, Moreland, J.P. Moreland, always, he's always more indelicate than me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he says, you know, does anybody want to go outside and chow down on a steaming pile of dog poop? <laughs> well, yeah, nobody, you know, I mean, but but you don't let babies, you don't give a pen a baby, jab it right in his eye, and you don't let you don't let creepy crawly babies out near dog poop. Why they crawl right into it? That's right. They don't know better. We're learning here that sin is stupid, and 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 this, but and a lot of this occurs through our suffering as we suffer from the from the horrors of just being in a fallen world. <clears throat> yeah, that's a powerful image. So, like you're saying, in heaven, and your book really unpacks this. And so, I again want to just tell our listeners go buy the book mm. um, by Clay Jones. Why does God allow evil? It's just awesome. But but we will have free will. Just like I could jab. I mean, right now I'm I'm holding the pen in my right hand. I could jab it in my eye. Like I have the freedom to do that. Um, but I won't. Uh, and I, I don't think I ever would, right? Um, because so, it's not a good idea. It's a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think you ever would. <clears throat> and as I say, as long as I have the mental capacities that are at least equal to what I have now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm never, you know, as long as, you know, obviously if, if uh, you know, I mean, you, you lose all your mental capacities, you might, but if, assuming that you know as much as you know now, no, you'd never jab a pin in your eye. Why? It's stupid. Yep. That would be a very stupid thing to do, and we're too smart for that. And as we look around at all the sin and all the suffering that's going on on planet Earth, it shows us, it's revealing to us, the horror of rebellion against God and the horror of sin. Hmm. And, and you just you can't read the newspaper without just having a f- further revelation or l- watch the news of the horror of sin. I, yeah. mean, I, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. That's true. And would you say, so, so would you say that that is something, um, Adam and Eve, they didn't have that, right? They didn't possess the knowledge of evil in that way. That's right. They did not. Well, they didn't have the knowledge of good and evil until mm-hmm. they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then they, when they did that, they plunged us and themselves into a lifelong education of good and evil. Mm-hmm. They didn't realize the horror of rebellion against God. Uh, I, I think they probably had an inkling. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the Lord told them, on the day you eat of it, you will surely die. So they had an inkling that you don't want to do it. It's bad. But... <clears throat> Uh, once they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, now we're just seeing how bad it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, God then kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, which removed them from the rejuvenating power of the tree of life. And here we are, I mean, living in this fallen world of suffering and death. And this is valuable knowledge for us 
to take into heaven and go, man, you know, I've done that rebellion thing, and I'm not doing it. Now, in my book, I give seven reasons why we won't sin in heaven. Mm -hmm. One of them is just because we're learning lessons here of the horror of rebellion against God. That's one of the seven. Yeah, I think that that's so important because I've had people, you know, argue with me when I when I've talked about, you know, we we can't lose human abilities in heaven. They'll only be enhanced. They'll be better. They'll be right. perfected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So when they say, oh, we won't have free choice in heaven because uh, Adam and Eve had it, and you saw that that's where it got us, they they do leave out that fact that. Well, no, they didn't have an understanding. They didn't have the knowledge of good and evil. Where I am, I'm going to have that for eternity because I've lived through the gauntlet of this broken, sinful world, seeing everyone around me die, and that is ensuring that I'll use my free will to always choose to do the right thing in heaven. Once once I'm enabled to do that, it's it's a that's a big point. And people, I mean, honestly, I don't think people have thought it out as much as you have. (laughs) Um, And um, that's one of the things I really appreciate about your book is just opens up new levels of thinking um, about some of these hard concepts. Well, thank you. I, I just, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it's, you know, as I say in the book, I spent 23 years writing it. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, and thankfully, I was able to road test the stuff uh, t- with our MA students for years before the book came out. I'm really thankful for that. Uh, and, uh, but, but yeah, people need to, they, they need to think through and then think about the judgment uh, that's going to be quite an education, too. Hmm. Uh, that's another reason that I give, is that the judgment is going to be quite an education of the horror and stupidity and uh, futility of sin. Yeah, so so with that, um, do you want to talk a little bit about um, rewards in heaven for the believer, and then obviously judgment to destruction for the unbeliever? Well, let's start off with the bad news first, is I, I think that what we're going to see with the unbeliever is the unbeliever is going to be eternally unrepentant. Hmm. Uh, and that's why there's eternal punishment. And I give, you know, it's hard to understand without some analogies that I don't think we have time to talk about now. But uh, but when it comes to heaven, yeah, I, I do not believe, I do believe that there's going to be different rewards in heaven. Uh, I think that's what the Scripture teaches. And I think, uh, you know, look at the parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the rewards often will be along the lines of responsibility. But But, you know, I mean... Jesus said to one servant, he says, you've been faithful over a small matter, take charge of ten cities. Hmm. You know, he gave him ten talents, and he was able to do well with it. He says, you've been faithful over taking care of ten talents. He says, he says I'm going to put you in charge of ten cities. Hmm. And that, I mean, wow, I think there's going to be, you know, we, Jesus says, who's, he who's greatest among you will be your servant. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, there, anyway, so yeah, I do not believe that there's one reward. Now, uh, we're all, if you're in Jesus, we're all getting in. Yes. If you're in Jesus, you're not saved by your works. You're not saved by how good you are. Mm-hmm. But, uh, if you consider Paul's words in, you know, first Corinthians, first Corinthians four, mm-hmm. where he says, uh, you know, that, or three, I think, where he talks about building with, uh, gold and silver and precious stones or wood, hay, stubble. He says, the, he says that the day, the judgment day, will declare the works, and uh, everybody will see what they've done. Hmm. Uh, and, and so there's going to be a revelation of, what did you accomplish here? But then it says, but he will be saved, though, but, but as through fire. In other words, you're still going to get into the kingdom. That's a gift from God, the grace of Jesus who died on the cross for our sins and was raised from the dead. But 
you're expected to do well here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so... And there is let's, something let's, to be lost if you don't. And there's something to be lost if you mm-hmm. don't. That's right. Yeah. And so we need to be focused on, you know, serving the Lord, as, uh, as I said, the Reform, Reformation maxim, faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. Mm-hmm. And we need to be busy with the, with, the king, with the King of Kings' work and doing His will here on earth as we have the opportunity. And one of the best things we can do is, in the face of persecution and in the face of suffering, is to honor God through it. And as we do that... Uh, you know, I mean, it, it honors God and it justifies the judgment of the devil and his angels. Mm. And it shows, reveals to the world that we really are qualified to be inheritors of the kingdom who will reign over it forever and ever. Mm. Well, how would you say to, to a listener, how, how would you encourage people to go through suffering well? What does that look like? Mm. Well, I think the, the biggest, well, one of the first things is, is understanding and like I said, I'm starting a video. Uh, well, I'm starting a blog slash video. I'm giving people a choice between blog or video. Oh, we can watch but, it uh, now. That's great. They can watch it or <laughs> wow. they can read it. There you go. Some people won't. Anyway, you get the point. But but uh, we're uh, uh, as I said, suffering. God uses suffering to purify us. He's making us, cleaning us up mm-hmm. uh, to be fit inheritors of the kingdom, and He's using suffering to protect us from further sin, and he's using suffering to prove us uh, that we're really qualified inheritors. I mean, he's doing all of these things, and honestly, they occur largely through suffering. Mm -hmm. Sitting on the beach doesn't prove anything (laughs) other than that you like the beach. Yep. Yeah, well, how—because I've thought about this a lot. Um, Every human being goes through suffering, right? All of us do. Uh, But every— Well, here's the key is I— I'm, it's kind of a joke I'm opening up with. Unless you die young and suddenly, <laughs> yeah, everybody's going to go through a lot of suffering, yes. Sure. Well, and, and with that, so because everybody is going to encounter suffering in their life, um, and everybody, not you know, depending on if you die or not, but most people suffer and they get through it. Time passes and they go through suffering, but that doesn't mean we're doing it well. So how do we no, suffer no. well? Well, I'll tell you, I'll just give you Hebrews chapter 12. Here's one of the principles we need to get a hold of, Hebrews chapter 12. It says, endure hardship as discipline, for God is treating you as sons. Mm-hmm. So there's just right there, one of the very first things that you can do, if you're going through something hard, Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 12, endure it as discipline from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh that attitude of God is working character, godly his character into me, makes suffering much more bearable. Mm-hmm. But if you don't understand this, and honestly, Robbie, I'm appalled, honestly, at, at some of the Christians I run into because that don't understand this kind of thing, like the thing I just mentioned in Hebrews 12. I read Hebrews 12 when I was 13, and when I was 13, I realized wow, God is going to bring us into periods of suffering to discipline us. Mm-hmm. And when you read 1 Thessalonians 1, and when you read 1 Peter 1, and passages like that, you you know, I mean, they teach straight out that God is using suffering to purify us and to prove us. And so no, that knowledge enables you to endure suffering so much better than if you just go, I don't know why God's doing this, mm-hmm. especially for those, and this is sad, people that think that God's 
intended his intent for them was just to give them some sort of easy life here. Yeah. Uh, and that that that's just simply false. It's not what God's intending to do. He's intending to make you into a vessel that can be that he can set free in his kingdom to do what you want to do forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that that's I think that that's so true. And and like you said, the the sad part of it is, it's pretty clearly taught in Scripture that that's the plan. I think oh, people miss uh, well, it. <laughs> I just quoted a few passages, so I don't see. I I, I mean, if you're reading the New Testament. And what that tells me is when people go, you know, sometimes it's just kind of like, I didn't know the Bible said that. And I'm like, you <laughs> aren't reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah, because, no, that's true. <laughs> you know, I mean, it would be different if I was quoting like from, you know, uh, Habakkuk something, you sure. know, and they go, well, I didn't know that. Well, I mean, not that many people are reading the minor prophets. <laughs> but to sit there and say, you know, I mean, in the epistles of Paul, and you don't know what they say, then then, you know, that that's just a call right there to, you know, Christians, you need to read the Bible. Yes. Yeah. So that you understand God's plan, so that when suffering comes upon you, you're not sitting there and going, why is this happening to me? Yeah, I think because that— suffering is the plan. Yeah, it's the plan. And I think one of the biggest problems people have with disappointment with God is that they have created a false idea of the plan, and then they get mad at God because yeah. he doesn't come through with their—I I mean, almost right. their <laughs> idol, you know? Mm. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely, as I'm saying tomorrow, uh, you know, I mean, God doesn't promise that you won't die from cancer or heart disease. In fact— you probably will mm-hmm. die from cancer or heart disease, <laughs> because that's the way most people die. Yep, that's right. So, and, you know, I mean, we, we need to, you know, I mean, we need to understand this. God didn't promise that that won't happen. And partially, <laughs> I think this is, you know, I think the, this is where law one of the four spiritual laws can be misinterpreted, misunderstood. Uh, you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, and they can take that as my life here, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, because that's just simply not always true. Very often, he expects you to go through severe suffering, and sometimes, you know, I mean, people who become Christians in the Middle East may lose their life right away. Yeah. Well, that's not an improved lifestyle here. No, it's definitely not. Yeah. Um, how how do you think one of the questions I, I wanted to, to ask you about was there there is potential through suffering and, and trials and evil that happens to us to grow in our intimacy with God. Uh, to oh, to yeah. grow how how does that work? Like what does that look like? I mean, even because you've gone through a lot, how how has that worked in your life? Oh, I just you know, I mean, when when you feel like like when I found, well, I began to suspect. I I, I increasingly suspected I had bone cancer for months. Hmm. Uh, I, I increasingly suspected that, and what it did though is it drove me to the Lord because hmm. there's no place else to go. Uh, in fact, uh, it, it, people when they're younger Christians, they don't they're not disciplined enough in their lives so that they might run to other things. They Mm -hmm. might try to just get out of a situation the Lord's brought them into, or they might turn to alcoholism or drug addiction to deal with their problems, and then the Lord will have to purify bring suffering in their life until He can purify them of that. Yeah. Because that's not, you know, but I found, you know, when, when I go through hardship, it draws me closer to the Lord, and I find... You know, people can believe this or not, but but when I got cancer, but I'd already been a Christian for 
35 years. Mm. But when I got bone cancer, I didn't doubt the Lord's existence or love for me for a moment. <clears throat> and I realized some people go, I don't believe that. Well, whatever. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I can't convince you of that. Sure. But I mean, I'm just telling you, I didn't doubt his. In fact, I felt closer to him. Hmm. Uh, I felt like I, my walk, my walk with the Lord was improved during that. Now that doesn't mean we didn't. Jeannie and I didn't cry a lot because, and there were a lot of tears at the prospect of my, uh, you know, when they misdiagnosed the cancer that I was going to be dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, you know, there was some occasions where we had tears streaming down our faces thinking about the prospect of that. But uh, in spite of that. Uh, I knew I thought the Lord loved me and and that he was in control and I didn't but see because I knew he didn't promise that I'd be healed. Mm-hmm. So I had to depend on him and I had to draw close to him and just say, you know, well, I'll see you in heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because that's all there is and so I found suffering, suffering brought me closer to Jesus, not farther away from him. See, and that's what's fascinating to me because it seems like suffering does one or the other to people. People either grow closer to the Lord or they repel from him because they're angry at him allowing it in their life. And I've not found a correlation, by the way, uh, and I I haven't, for me personally, found a correlation. And what I mean is, well, there's a, what I mean is, is uh, suffering causes some people to draw closer to him. It causes other people to basically abandon him. And I don't see a, it happening one way or the other, but it does make people make a choice. And what I mean by the one way or the other is I don't see, it's not like I see most people leaving the Lord when suffering strikes, and I don't see, necessarily see a majority drawing close to the Lord when suffering strikes. It just seems like some people get farther away from Him, some people get closer to Him. Now, those who are sincere Christians really are born-again Christians. They're going to get closer to Jesus. It may take a while, but they're going to get closer to Jesus. I'm talking about... Uh, you know, just your average human population. Some get closer to God because of suffering. Some get farther away from Him. Yeah, yep, definitely. I think that that's something that it, it does uh, to us. I just, having the mentality, I think, too, um, through obviously having your class, meeting with you, reading your book, um, knowing this stuff before I'm in the midst of suffering has been really helpful to me. Um, because when you're in the middle of it, you kind of need you need that stuff to already be present in your life, not to be something mm, you're yeah. learning as you're going through an emotionally hard time. Um, and so I'm trying to think through how do we, as as the church, instill this idea into people in our church, get them to understand what the Bible yeah. says, teaching them all Jesus has commanded, you know, such as take up your cross daily and follow after me, so that when they do go through suffering, because it's guaranteed that they will, um, they can stand firm, they can persevere, and their character can develop, and they can have the hope, like you were saying, through through their character development. But it's a, it's a right. tough thing to do when so many people seek to avoid suffering at all costs. Well, you know, they need, well, people need to read the Bible. Christians need yeah. to read the Bible. Uh, you know, we all, you hear the verse all the time, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yeah. Uh, but what we, they, they ignore, the first part is this. It says, if you abide in my word, then you really are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yeah. I'm worried about people, Christians, who don't read the Bible. Uh, I, you know, one of the things I frankly get concerned about is, are they even Christians? Mm. Because Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then you 
are my disciple, and you will know the truth, mm-hmm. and the truth will set you free. If you don't abide in his word, the question is, are you even his disciple? And so we've got to get people simply to read the Bible, and then if they read the Bible, they'll be like, you know, like I say, when I was 13, 14 years old, I knew that God intended to use suffering in our lives as a 13 or 14-year-old. Why? Just because I was reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you're not reading the Bible, you're going to go, I don't understand what God's doing. I don't get it. <laughs> well, you know, stop watching Friends and Seinfeld reruns and Office reruns and read the Bible. Yeah. I think that would do us all better if we <laughs> watched less Netflix and we would read the Bible more. Um, you bet. Yeah, that would help us out a lot. Um, well, I thank you so much for being with us today, Clay. This is just, this is so rich. I love talking about this issue with you. Um, again, because I don't know a lot of people who have spent, you know, 20 some years developing the concept and the theology of suffering like you have. So just really appreciate you and your ministry at Biola. Well, I guess it's Talbot now. When I went, it was under Biola, but now you're, you're big time and you're under Talbot. Well, Talbot's a part of Biola, so it's all really good. Okay. Well, that's good. I, I'm always jealous of the new guys going there because I'm like, man, your degree's going to say Talbot. Mine just says Biola, but it's, you know, it's the same <laughs> thing. That's fine. <laughs> well, hey, before yeah. we let you go, because this is Christ, Christ Culture and Coffee, we yes. always ask our guests about coffee and what kind of coffee they like to drink and if they do like coffee. So let us know, what, what are your thoughts on coffee? Well, my thoughts on coffee are... Uh... I drink the robust coffee, and I drink it black. Yes. So Amen. there you go. Well, that's because you're a Christian, right? You're, you're actually yeah. saved, and that's why. <laughs> yes, he, drinks I it, did. he drinks it black. I, so well, you know, it's funny. Everybody that I know, you know, I, didn't, I hated coffee growing up, and I think the reason I hated it is because the only time I'd get near it was uh, at church, and mm-hmm. they'd have these giant, you know, the like five-gallon coffee pots, uh-huh. you know, brewing, and the coffee was just tasted terrible to me, and it just... <laughs> I sat there and went, I, I hated the idea of coffee, but everybody I knew started drinking coffee. Um, my wife started drinking it. My friends were all drinking it. And one day I sat there and literally decided I was, I was this back when I was in the insurance world, and I was going to speak to about 120 insurance agents. And I thought, you know, the only thing they ever serve of these things is coffee. I said, so today I'm going to learn to like coffee. And I said, literally, I said these things to myself. I said, and I'm going to learn to like it black. Uh, and <laughs> And there's been no turning back ever since. I like coffee black. And uh, so that's great. I love it. Yeah, I love it. An act of the will to decide to choose to drink the best drink on earth. That's that's great. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, if our listeners want to follow you and read more stuff that you've done, where can they go to to find that? ClayJones.net. And starting tomorrow, I'm going to have new blogs up on suffering starting tomorrow. Clay Jones. Well, I don't know when you're going to air this, but but starting on seven nine, I'm going to be uh, blogging on suffering. ClayJones.net. ClayJones.net. And, uh, and uh, that's that's probably the best place. I'm on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Clay B Jones on Twitter and 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 whatnot. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely put links in the show notes for uh, your website and also for the books so people can go, and especially by uh, the book that's out right now, uh, Why Does God Allow Evil? Yes. Um, We want people to check that out and to get more answers on this. But thanks so much for being on the show again today, Clay. This was just awesome. 
Well, my thank pleasure. You. Good to be with you. Thanks. Good to be with you, Robbie and Tyler. Thank you. Mm, thank you so much. Well, thank you, our listeners, as well, for being on with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. Again, our hope here is to uh, equip you to be able to defend your faith and to be confident in your faith so you know um, why you're believing what you're believing and you can go out and you can reach your culture with truth. Yeah, and, and please... Uh, Send us in questions if you have any, um, whether it's based off of this specific podcast episode or uh, any of the past ones that we've been doing recently, uh, or any questions in general. You can feel free to message that, whether it's through email to ChristCultureCoffee at gmail.com or send us a direct message on our Facebook or Instagram, and we will answer that question for you and try to get back to you and uh, hopefully uh, encourage you and continue to build your faith through what you've learned in the podcast. Yeah, well, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee, and we'll be back next week. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.